Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. So anyway, we've been in a series where we've been talking about and we've been discussing relationships. Uh, last week we talked about singleness and evidently it hit some nerve and struck some chords. And so, uh, listen, uh, married people, like I said last week, stay married. Some people were saying to me during the week, yeah, I think I'm going to go on and uh, just be single. I said, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. I know you're on your nerves. You can't do that. And I also want to do two housekeeping things. One, I said something in my message last week that uh, my youngest, who's not here today, she, she, she felt some kind of way about. She wanted me to let y'all know that my kids ain't thirsty. So there you go. <laughs> they ain't thirsty. They ain't thirsty. And Anne-Marie did learn how to cook. So uh, she did learn how to cook. It was rough going early on, but she learned how to cook, and I appreciate it. She went through this vegan stage, but that's okay. We back now. There's meat on the table, and I'm excited. And so today we're going to talk about marriage. Talked about singleness last week and the beauty of singleness and the giftedness of singleness, and now we're going to talk about this other gift. It's a different kind of gift, and it's called marriage. Uh, Dr. Tony Evans, I love Dr. Tony Evans. He gives great illustrations. And so he's given this illustration that I heard just recently of a man who was at the cemetery. And he's pounding on the tombstone. Why'd you have to leave me? Why'd you have to go? Why'd you have to die? Why'd you have to die? And one of the groundskeepers saw that he was obviously in grief. He walks over and he, and he assumes, he goes, man, this must be your late wife. And he said, no, it's her first husband. Why'd you have to die? Why? <laughs> have to die. <laughs> and so marriage is tough. Amen. I think sometimes we get caught up as pastors and leaders in the church. We want to talk about the beautiful parts of marriage, and there are some absolutely beautiful parts of marriage. But I do think we do marriage a disservice when we make it all about roses and skipping through meadows and and, 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 and just a series of date nights and the kids just come out of the womb and they don't cry at night and they don't poop. And, you know, like, you know, the mortgage payment is not due and work is not stressful. And you're try- not, you know, everything is always as a bed of roses. And sometimes as leaders, uh, we're, we're, we're afraid to show our vulnerability and say, you know, I'm struggling. Marriage is a struggle. And so some people look at it and go, okay, well, you know, pastor, like, you know, like they, they, they married with something to aspire towards. Like I said, I married up. It's something to aspire towards. And so I should just, just knuckle up and bear up and, and, and make, it, make, it, make it what it is. And it's not always that easy. Some statistics here. Marriage, 50% of marriages end in divorce. It's Christian marriages as well. 50% of marriages end in divorce. The average duration of the first marriage, it ends in the year eight. You ever heard of the seven-year itch? Year eight, they're going to the judge and saying, we need to absolve this thing. Every 13 seconds, there's a divorce in America. So from the time I started speaking to now, there's probably been three or four divorces in America. That's the average. That means 277 divorces an hour. 6,646 per day. 46,523 a week and 2,419,196 a year. Divorces. I got these statistics from a family uh, lawyer's website, law practice, and they did statistics. And um, 
The number one reason given for divorce is lack of commitment. 73% of people who divorce say it was a lack of commitment. 56 agree, uh, 56 say that they argue too much. 56%, sorry, not 56 people. 55% said infidelity was involved. 46% says they married too young. People who are younger than 18 years old, when they get married, it's a 48% chance that they'll get a divorce. When people get married from 20 and 25, there's a 60% chance of divorce. And you have the greatest likelihood of not getting divorced if you get married above 25 years old. 45% said they got a divorce because of unrealistic expectations. 44% said lack of equity in the relationship. 41% said lack of preparation for marriage. And only 25%, which is a still high number, still too high of a number, 25% say domestic violence or abuse. And so let, I would like to speak to those statistics and to give a news flash. It's not the other person. If you're in a bad marriage right now, don't raise your hand, don't bat an eye, just look straight. Just look straight. Just look straight. Look straight. If you're in a bad marriage right now, it's not the other person. It's the institution of marriage that drives us crazy. Let me give you three truths about marriage real quick and we'll get started. Today we'll address these three truths. One, marriage is a religious activity. Marriage is a religious activity. It's not just a transaction. It's not just liking your boo thing and wanting to hook up. It is a religious activity. Two, marriage is a long-term covenant. Because it's a religious activity, because God steps in, if you get married at a, at a, um, 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 at a, at a preacher, like, I got words. If a preacher marries you, like myself, We'll ask everybody in the audience to commit to understanding that this is before God. These vows are being given before God. This is not just about the justice of peace. This is not just about the certificate of the state. This is about you coming together before God to say that you two are going to become one. So it's a long-term binding agreement. It's a covenant centered between a man and a woman before God. Listen, when I say man and a woman, that is not hate speech. That is not hate speech. I'm just giving the biblical definition of marriage. Now, I know we have civil unions. We have all these other things that happen. Listen, I'm not even trying to tread into that water. I'm telling you what thus saith the Lord in Bible marriage is man and woman. Now, if you want to get married under some other guise, go right ahead. But as far as the Christian understanding of marriage is between one man and one woman. And finally, I said it before, marriage is hard. As a matter of fact, sometimes it's all-out war. Just keeping it real. Some of y'all got holes in the wall at the house, because y'all know it's all-out war. Oh, y'all act like, I'm, I'm just going to keep it a little bit real this morning. Anybody ever seen the movie Mr. and Mrs. Smith? I love this marriage. I mean, I love this movie. And it, to me, it is a biblical definition of what marriage looks like when you're not walking together in purpose. So if you've seen the movie, if you haven't seen the movie, spoiler alert, go out to Netflix, go find it, go watch it. It's good. And so I talked about Brad Pitt and Angela Lula, whatever that woman's name is. I talked about her last week, them last week. Y'all remember that? Well, in this movie, both of these people are really highly skilled assassins. 
and they are good at what they do. They met each other by chance and they did not know what was inside of the other person. They were keeping secrets from one another. But when it came out, it came out when they were at each other's neck and they were they were one another's assignments to kill each other. And the, my favorite scene is when they finally found out that the other one was assassinated. They went to the house. Y'all remember that scene? And they tore everything up, refrigerator, blowing stuff up. And, 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 and I really believe that is a perfect illustration of what happens after the honeymoon. You come home from Jamaica or Bermuda or wherever you was at, sipping my ties on the beach, doing the conga lines, going up, signing up at the resort for all the different activities. And then when you get home and the real world hits, I talked about it last week. When they touched you, it was like, ooh, when you touch me. And now it's like, why are you touching me? And because we don't know our purpose, because we don't know what we have on the inside, we end up taking it out on one another and trying to kill one another. Sometimes literally. And it wasn't in this movie until they realized that they had a common enemy. That they came together and they were bad after that. And then you flash point to the beginning of the movie and to the end of the movie, they're in counseling working it out. Statistics show that any given point in a marriage, when you say you're fed up and you're ready to get out, but if you, if you exert yourself and you say, you know what, we're going to work on this five years later, most of those marriages survive because love comes and goes. Yes, it does. Love is fleeting. Love is temporal. Sometimes you love them, sometimes you don't. Sometimes they is on your last, last, last Last nerve. You say we say last nerve, but they ain't really our last nerve. We got a few more nerves left. They're on your last nerve, and you want to give up, and you want to give out, and you just want to throw in the towel. And listen, I'm urging you, don't do it. I have the, I have the pleasure. Of being married to my wife. Listen. Early on, it wasn't easy. And when we tell people that we've been married how many years? Y'all bet you forgot. Thank you. Thank you. 25 in September. Amen. Amen. Celebrate. Celebrate. Around year three, four, five, though. And people will say, how long have you been married? And we say 25 years. And they will go, wow. And my, my, she, without fail, it's like an automatic reflex. And she said, thank you, Jesus. It was the Lord. Ain't no credit to be given over here. It was Jesus. Don't say amen too loud. And I have the pleasure of counseling couples coming in. I often do this when I counsel couples. I say, listen, um, scale of one to ten, where's your relationship? Sometimes people say, oh, it's about an eight. They really meant a one. I'm really appreciative of the couples that come in and go, man, this is a thing about a 2.5. If you don't do something now, I'm going to kill this fool. And we talk and we walk through it. And I come to two core things from the man's perspective and the woman's perspective, that if we would just work through those things, then our marriage will be healthy. Our marriage will be strong. Listen, we have a good marriage right now. Listen, next week it might be bad. Let me tell you something. Listen, but I love her and I'm committed to her. And we stepped into this thing saying this is till death do us part. 
And over the years, over the 25 years, the biggest thing that I've learned is we just don't know how to communicate. And if we can get past this communication gap, if we can get past this, this thing that keep us from, 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 from moving forward in God, then our marriage will be healthy. So we're going to talk about some of that this morning. Do I have captive audience yet? All the married people say, yes, Lord, amen. And so in Genesis chapter 1, we find the biblical account of marriage, what marriage is supposed to look like. And God has established an ideal in Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to examine today, we're going to examine today, where did it all fall apart? And so in Genesis chapter 1, we're going to jump down to verse 26. It says, and God said, let man, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and every uh, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so in Genesis chapter six, we are introduced to this idea called the Imago Dei. That is a great word. It, it sounds really, really uh, beautiful, but it's all it means is that we are created in the image of God. Man, woman created in the image of God. And we're introduced to this idea of the Imago Day. And then God says, because you're created in my image, he says, and let them have dominion over the earth, basically. Let them have dominion. Let them have stewardship over the earth. Listen, we're here for a reason. See, if you have a biblical worldview, you would understand that you're not just here for you. And I think one of the biggest challenges, not only in marriage, but in most relationships, one of the biggest challenges is we think we're in this for us. And God says, no, you're not here for that purpose. You're not here for you. You're not here to have a great career. You're not here to go to school. You're not here to make babies. Listen, that's a part of what you do while you're here, but that's not the primary purpose of you being here. You are here to have dominion. You are here to rule and steward what God has created. If you notice in the Bible, the Bible said that God created these things and he said they were good, but they were not uh, 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 complete in that God said they're good, but then he put us here to work. He gave Adam the ability to name stuff. Adam was good at it, too. Anybody who come up with the name hippopotamus is a bad man. Just letting you know off the bat. Verse 27, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of man, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, and God blessed them and said to them, watch this. He gave a commandment. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Most of us who marry, we ain't got a problem with that part. He said, and fill the earth and subdue it. Fill the earth and subdue it. Listen, reign, rule, use what I've given you to make the world a better place, basically. Increase in this world and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and every living thing that moves on the earth. God spoke and he entered into a partnership with Adam and Eve. Everybody see that? Now, did God need Adam naming hippopotamuses and stuff like that? No. God could have came up with the name hippopotamus. God could have came up with a better name than hippopotamus. I wouldn't spit on you when I say it. God could have did that. But he invited them alongside because he loved them and he created them. And he wanted them to have a purpose and a passion in the earth. And so he created them to do those things. And God said, verse 29, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with the seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food and every beast of the earth 
and every bird of the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life. I have given every green plant for food and it was so. Verse 30. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening. And there was morning the sixth day. And so you're saying, well, this sounds like. Everything was cool. God created the stuff. He gave commands. It was the sixth day. No drama. So what went wrong? Genesis 2 gives us a little bit more detail. See, Genesis 1 is more of a summation. It's a summary. It's, it's a table of contents, if you will. And then in Genesis 2, God starts breaking out the details. He starts giving the deets. Y'all kids still say that? No? Okay. Dang it. In verse 18, chapter 2, he says, The Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make for him a helper fit for him. Pause. If you've been in a church any amount of time, you know that there's a doctrine, there's a teaching that the husband is the household head. We know this, right? Anybody don't know that? If not, we'll read the Bible later. But the husband is the head of the household. And because of that, because we know that, we look at Genesis 2.18 in a different light sometimes. And what God is saying in Genesis 2.18, he's saying it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good yet. I created him. He was good, but it's not good for him to be alone. Not that man is not good, but it's not good for him to be alone. He needs a helper. See, because of our broken, flawed understanding of who God is and what God does, we think of helper as, mm, no, we, like that's a subordinate, right? Like that, that's somebody who's lesser than. Listen, God does not, women, you need to hear this. If you've heard that doctrine of men in the household or as the head, that doesn't mean that men are better than you. Oh, you ain't got to say amen so quick. I'll arm wrestle you right now. No, I'm playing. Does not mean that women have a lesser uh, 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 image of God inside of them. But what it does mean is that God has established an authority. Listen, God subjects himself to the same authority. He's saying, whoa, wait, what are you talking about? Look at God the Father and Jesus. They are co-equal in essence. They are the same God in substance, yet Jesus submitted himself to God. Submission is not a bad thing. I don't know why in that dynamic, God the Father got to be the Father, and Jesus got to be the Son. I don't know why. I'm not going to try to figure it out, but God is perfect, and so is good. And women, God pulled, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but God said it's not good for Adam to be alone. And he says, listen, I will make, I will make a helper for him. He didn't go find somebody help. He said, listen, where did giraffe go? Get over here and help Adam. You were custom made to help. Your purpose in life is to come alongside and help. That does not mean that you're subordinate and he just gives orders and directives and orders and you just go, yes, sir. Yes, sir. We think of slave and God didn't say slave. Listen, that word for helper actually is the word referred to as God when God says he comes alongside and helps. He's listen, you're a God ordained to help. You're gifted in that. Your purpose is found in that. And when you do that, you are beautiful and you are, you, you, you are operating the way that God would like for you to operate. It's just fit for him, especially for him. <sighs> We've ruined it. We've ruined it. And so God caused 
Adam to fall asleep. First anesthesia ever. Put him to sleep. He reached in, pulled out a rib from himself. Listen, that's a, that, that's a special kind of love when it, it comes from you. From himself. He pulled out this rib and he formed and he fashioned woman. And he brought woman to Adam. And by the way, Adam is not a, 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 a proper name. Adam just means humanity. Eve had not had a proper name yet because Adam hadn't named her yet because Adam was so good. And Adam was like, I'm going to call her Eve. But he brought him to him, and Adam, and this is an old joke. Y'all probably heard this before. He brought him to him, and Adam went, whoa, man. He brought him to her, and he said, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. And the Bible says in verse 24 of Genesis, therefore man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, hold on time out. Like, how does that happen? They don't walk around stuck together after they get married. They don't become like, you know, with some conjoined twins or something like that. What happens? When you enter into the marriage relationship, when you enter into this covenant, you are two people becoming one. Spiritually. Your purpose has to change. Your purpose needs to move forward so that you both are going in the same direction. See, the challenge is we don't want to go in the same direction. Sometimes we talked about this last week, single people, you need to sit down and you need to interview that booger or that bougette. Listen, what, so, so, so what are you thinking about in life? Where are you moving? You saw the statistics that I, that, that I mentioned earlier, before 18, really high percentages, before 25, higher percentages of getting divorced because you don't even know yourself yet. You ran around here trying to form behind somebody else. And listen, I am not coming down. I got married at 19 years old. That's how 25 years. See, I'm still young, see. And I guarantee you, a lot of it was hard in the beginning because I didn't know who I was. Emery been asking me a question about, I ain't thought about that yet. Leave me alone. Go sit down. I'm playing a video game. <laughs> what do you mean what I want to do with the rest of my life? I don't know. Something will come along. What do you mean you want to start going to church? They take your money at church, don't they? Like three or four hours on a Sunday morning. I ain't got time for that. And so what happens is people start saying, well, we grew apart. Well, listen, it's not hard to grow apart when you're not having purpose and you're not moving in the same direction. And so early on, God gave commandments. He told Adam and Eve what they were supposed to be doing. He said, Adam, this is your responsibility. Eve, you are here to help him. Eve, you are his co-pilot. I hate that word, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Eve, you are there. Eve, you are there to help and facilitate these things and move this thing forward. And God gave them purpose. There was a spiritual formation that needed to take place, and he gave them purpose. Watch Genesis 20, uh, 2, 25. And then he shows us their status. And the man and his wife were both naked. Somebody say, ill. And we're not ashamed. Listen, that nakedness has nothing to do with nudity. Get your mind out the gutter. What that nakedness is talking about is a certain vulnerable state. They're open 
to express themselves before God and one another. They're just open. They're just open. So many marriages, we're not open. Why? Because we're broken, we're flawed. And listen, if I show you that, you're going to take advantage of it. And because you're the head, you're going to try to manipulate me. And, you're, and then because I'm the head, you're trying to take control of the headship. And so I know what you're trying to do. And so we're not open with one another. And communication falls off. Even with the little white lies. Baby, do I look good in this? I paid for it, so it looked good. No, say. There was no sin. There was no need to hide. And then we jump into chapter 3. So verse 1, we saw summation. Verse 2, we saw purpose. We saw what the kingdom purpose was. Verse 3 is where we get to the meat of the thing. And immediately, there was a breakdown. And as married people, we need to understand that as soon, as soon, as soon, as soon as you get married, there's an enemy of your marriage. Satan hates the way that marriage looks. Why? Because it reflects Christ in the church. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. So the Bible says that Satan came through. He persuaded Eve and Adam to partake of something that God told them not to do. They were off purpose. They were off target. They were off kilter. Satan convinced them to disobey God, move away from God, move away from what God had purposed for them. Uh, seemed innocent at the time, but the tree that he persuaded them to eat from was off limits. It wasn't off limits because God was trying to withhold a good thing from them. It was off limit because God knew what was best for them. And he knew that if they had eaten from that tree, that they were, the, the God-likeness on the inside of them would have been activated. And he knew that it would, they would go astray. Because God is sovereign. God knows. Some of you might be asking why God allowed that to happen. It's another sermon for another day, but it happened. So God ended up cursing Satan. And then he turned his attention to the couple. Let's look at Genesis 3.10. And he said, I heard a sound. Well, let me, let me get back. God cursed Satan. Adam and Eve, they did what they knew they did. They knew it was wrong. It's called conviction. It's called being wrong. Y'all ever been wrong? And they, so they hid. They hid. They tried to hide from God. And so God said, well, Adam, where are you? In verse 10, he says, and he said, I heard a sound in the garden. I was afraid. Fear had never, fear had never been a part of the equation. Anxiety had never been a part of the equation. Because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? Who told you that you were operating in that status? Who told you that? Like, how did you hear about that? And listen, God asked rhetorical questions. God knew. When God asked where he was, he knew he was behind the rock. I can see him. Like, God has x-ray vision. He's like Superman. He can see. But he wanted them to own what they had done. Y'all look at me funny. Parents, y'all do that all the time. You walk in the room. Who broke this table? It's only one child in the room. Who broke my table? You just want to see how they're going to react. And we see that sin pop out. Them little boogers on. I wasn't even in here. I was outside playing with the dog. We ain't even got a dog. Verse 10. I mean, verse 11. And he said, who told you you were naked? 
have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, oh, she made me do it. Immediately. I know I got purpose. I know I wasn't supposed to be doing it. Ain't got nobody else to blame. My help meets the closest thing to me. She made me do it. What is this you have done? The woman said. The serpent deceived me and I ate. First example of somebody saying the devil made me do it. The woman tricked. I mean, the, the serpent tricked me. He's so tricky. He came in there. He persuaded me. And I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? He deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and the dust of the field shall you eat all the days of your life. Watch this. We're going to talk about purpose now. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Oh, my goodness. You might be saying, what are we talking about with this offspring thing? Listen, when you enter into a covenant with God, God enters covenants for lifetimes. He's like you and your children and your children's children is what God would say. And so because of what you have done, I'm going to put enmity. Enmity, I mean, I'm going to put this hostility between the devil and the offspring of Adam and Eve, which is if you're a human and you're on this planet, there's enmity between you and the devil. I know we live in the West and we've explained away demons and devils and all that kind of stuff. And modern medicine has proven that some of that stuff is just sickness and disease and all that. Don't get it twisted. Demons are real. Satan is real. There is a force that opposes God in the world. And they would like you to believe that it's not there. And there's enmity between it and you. Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. Christians, we realize it because we have a doctrine that shows us that we have enmity with them. The world doesn't know. It's like, I don't really believe in that kind of stuff. Well, you ain't got to believe it for him to be crafty. You ain't got to believe it for him to push you away from God and purpose. And he said, I will put enmity between your offspring and his offspring. I will make there this war that collides on the inside of uh, 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 of the rest of, of time. And here's the thing. This is a prophetic utterance towards Jesus. And so what God is essentially doing right now, even though he's, he's, he's bringing judgment based upon the sin that happened, he's bringing judgment based upon the sin that happened, he is telling them there's, there, there's an out. <laughs> of course they didn't realize it at the time because that's how prophecy works. I will restore this thing, though. The thing that makes y'all clash, the thing that brought this nakedness into the world and this, or this understanding of nakedness, the thing that brings this contention into the world, I'm going to deliver you from it and I'm going to fix it. And so, listen, what I'm going to say next, there's hope. There's hope. That's why Jesus led, I mean, that's why God led with Jesus, because there's hope about what's going on to come next. 3.16. Talking to Eve. Because I just can't let you off the hook. That was cute, your little lie. You were playing with the dog, I get it, but you broke the coffee table, so we got to do something about this. Anybody mama used to let you choose your punishment? 
My mama was sadistic. I love that woman, but she was sadistic. Okay, so what you want? You want a beating or you want a punishment? You want to, you know, you want to be grounded for a couple of months. Well, this guy, listen, that, beat, that last beating almost killed me, so I go grounded. No. And then she said, no, nah, that's not what I'm going to do. I just want to see what you're going to say. <laughs> and I can remember one time particularly, we had this old, this was like late, early 80s, uh, 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 it was first from the 70s, it was plush. And one of them sofas that did like this, y'all know, look like, you know, those sofas. That, and I laid, I laid on that because, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm looking at her because she's at the coffee table. She's drinking the coffee, reading the newspaper, and I'm looking at her. So if she come, I can run. So look at that, that darn chair was so comfortable, though. So I fall asleep. And I wake up with this woman over me, beating me half to death. What do I say that? There consequences to your actions. I ain't going to tell you what I did, but there's consequences to your actions. But I'm so glad that God doesn't beat us that way. He doesn't. He doesn't beat you over your head. He, there are stern punishments. Sin in itself was punishment enough. And then God covers. Watch this. He says, I will surely multiply the pain of childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. All the pregnant ladies in the room, blame it on Eve. He says, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Listen, this is the first time that Eve was, had an understanding. If she had not eaten from the tree of understanding and knowledge, she would never got herself into this predicament. This is the first time she understood that he's ruling over me. Wait a minute. What cotton picking? They were, they, they were going through, they were just naming buffaloes and stuff. They were just having a great time. And all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. He ruling up. You ever did that? You ever been at, at your job and you work with a coworker and they tell you how much you, they make? And you're like, hold on, time out. <laughs> you're making how much? How you make? We do the same job. Oh, then there's this enmity between y'all, right? You look at them sideways, like, we can't hang out no more. Make no sense. You're making all this money, and I'm sitting up here making peanuts. I don't understand this. That's what happened. That was this eureka moment. That was this aha moment. If he was, he was ruling over her, she had no idea, and now she, she, she sideways about it. He said, yeah, you, you gonna have, there's going to be this contrary thing that happens between you and him. So get used to it. Women, that's why it's so hard when we preach about this kind of stuff, when you hear that word submit, you just tighten up. I'm serious. When I do counseling and I get to this, because I start in Genesis when I do marriage counseling or premarital counseling, man, I can just see it on the face. And a dude try to butt boy the chest. I say, no, nah, bro, we're going to get you in a minute. We're going to get to you in a minute. But it's just, just this thing is like, I can't. What you mean submit? What you mean I'm lesser than him? Well, don't get married then. I'm sorry. I'm not saying you're lesser than him. I'm saying when it comes to the authority, this is what's going to happen. This is a two-way challenge, though. Because the woman has this contrary thing to the husband, and the husband really, listen, we really want to please our wives, most of us. Most of us, we really want to please our wives. Might not seem like it. <laughs> She's laughing. Listen. We're different individuals, right? We're coming together to become one. Listen, I am bad. I, I, I forget to feed myself some days. I ain't going to even lie. My wife, have you ate today? Mm, let's see, what time is it? No, I ain't ate today. 
And so I wrote a program to remind me what my wife likes. Ben, whatever. Why? Because I can't do it in and of myself. I, I, I have this, 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 this deficiency. But if my wife is looking towards me and going, I need you to do that, and I'm like, well, you know, I have this. I'm broken. So unless we're going to run around here fighting all the time, I'm going to write a program. Right? And so we have this brokenness that we bring to the relationship, and it's a two-way thing because, listen, the wife is going to want to rule the husband. It just is what it is. Listen, that's why when we're driving, and I know this is a vague generalization. This is a gross generalization. Please don't. Like, our women ain't like that. Get married and find out. No, but I'm just saying, because a woman at the core of it, 99.9% of the time of the people that I counsel, this is what happens. The women, they just want to feel secure, loved, and nurtured, right? And so when you're driving, when you're driving down a road, and she not, doesn't feel that security that she knows that you know where you're going, she's going to let you know. Do you know where we're going? <laughs> GPS saved a lot of marriages. You have to pull over the side of the road, get on for that bumper, look at that map. That, 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 that. <laughs> GPS saved a lot. Man, do you know what you're going? Do you know what you're doing? <clears throat> and you and man, we just had a hard day at work. We ain't trying to talk about this right now. Listen, can we talk about this later? I just really want to watch the game. LeBron is on. They just want to know that they're secure, that they're loved, they're nurtured. And so without knowing sometimes, it will seem like they're coming against your authority. And men. The primary thing for men, most of the time, not all men, the primary thing for men is we just want to feel like you're not trying to usurp my authority. You're just not trying to sidestep me. And when you do it, it feels like, it might not be what you're trying to do, but it feels like you're coming after what God gave me. And a lot of times, listen, if I'm being honest, men say this is authority, men will be like, listen, you just take that because I don't even want that. No more. I, can I watch the game? Take that. Make the decision. I just want to watch the game. You ain't got to say amen. You can just say ouch. <laughs> Sin killed the woman's willingness to submit and loving leadership. The woman's willingness to submit and men's loving leadership. That's what sin killed. That's precisely what sin killed. Now, I can't lead you in love if I feel like you're coming after something. If I feel like you're attacking me. And so over time, we've had to learn how to healthily communicate. And it's been 25 years, and we still wrestle with it sometimes, just to be honest. Look, my wife, she's looking. I'm, I'm scared to even look over here right now. Mm -hmm, say something else. God turned his attention to Adam. And he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall. Oh, yeah. Eat the plants of the field. Listen, man, you have hard days at work because of sin. We used to live in an agricultural society, like, the, you know, food was just coming up. God created it. It was just popping up. Boom, 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 boom. God said, no, no, no. You know what? Now you're going to have to work for it. Now you're going to have to farm Adam. Thorns and thistles, sins into the world. Listen, because sins is into the world, we don't have big, just, you know, you just go outside and just pick the squash and just. 
Now you have to you have to plant. You're gonna have to do some stuff. Now you're gonna have to work. It's gonna be hard work. Anybody ever farmed? Any farmers in the house? The farmers in the Dale, Jody. Mm-hmm. Farming in the Dale. It's hard work. Yard work is hard work. I used to when 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 I, when I, when I had my own little, little backyard, I used to be excited about going out in that backyard. And then about 35, 45 minutes into it, like man, this project is just gonna have to be on pause. We live in Texas. It's hot out here. I know she said she wanted watermelons, but I don't know about this. I know she wanted that tree planted, but I don't know about this. Jingalang, jingalang. <laughs> so men's challenge was because of sin, what God wants you to accomplish became incrementally, uh, that's not the word I'm like, incrementally easy, uh, harder. <laughs> that's a word I tried to use. It became harder. became more difficult. Regardless of personality, most marriages struggle in these two areas. Women want to be respected, loved, and just have a little bit of direction. And men just don't want their authority tested. Why can't you not? You sit down and you talk to people and you start counseling and you start getting to the root of it. Maybe it's because my worldview, I make people, uh, maybe I have Jedi mind tricks, I make them form into me. But it just, it, it just comes out. And I said at the beginning of the counseling, people are like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good, that sounds dope. You know, about week six, they're like, I just don't want her to coming at me all the time. And she's not coming at you because she wants to, because she's a help me. She's your rib. She's just trying to help you. And maybe it's not in the best way. And so communication causes it all to fall apart. Fruitfulness cannot happen without the proper communication. You can't be a good team without proper communication. You need to learn how to talk like he talk, and she need to learn how to talk like you talk. Did I just say that right? I don't know. You need to learn how each other talk. You need to learn each other's love language. Oh, he's walking the aisles now. Listen, I don't touch people. You know, you ever been one of them church, you're scared they're going to touch you, and you. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Listen, because of this thing, Dr. Tim Keller wrote a book with his wife. I thought it's an awesome book on marriage. And he talks about marriage being like a garden, right? Anybody have a garden? It's not easy work. You got to work at it. Sometimes consistently on a daily basis. Our problem is we want to get married and put it on autopilot. He loved me. Love going to get us through. Try it. (laughs) Try it. You need to focus on your marriage daily. I'm saying out right now because we get busy. Life happens. Work. Kids. All these things become what? They become idols in our life. Not bad things, but they become idols in our life because we put those things before what God has called us to. Listen, your first ministry is your marriage if you're married. Yes, it is. Need to learn how to date one another again. And this is the reason why you can see people who've been married 40 years, me, mom, peepaw, getting a divorce. What? I just don't know him no more. You never knew him then. People have always been like that. 
But what happens is you raise your children, you buy the house, you get the American dream, and then you get to the end of it and the kids leave the house and you don't, you, now you're living with a stranger. And God is calling us to be fruitful. As a matter of fact, God is calling us to be like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. I'm going to get her name one time. I'm going to get it in that movie. I'm telling you, in that movie, man, they were, they were, they were fighting. And, like, they just knew each other. Like, they were ducking. Man, I was like, that's what I'm talking about. That's what marriage is supposed to be. You're supposed to be able to anticipate one another's moves. And you can't get there unless you worked at it. Y'all don't worry, I'm not going to go buy a gun. Me and my wife ain't going to be running around here with guns next week. <laughs> but because he introduced Christ into it, the offspring that will come out of it, he introduced Christ. Listen, Christ needs to be at the center of it. This doesn't work without Christ. In your sinful nature, you're not going to want to do this. You ain't going to want to do it. And so you got to bring all those things to the altar. You got to bring all those insecurities, all those. Listen, listen, women, I know you married an idiot. That's your fault. Now I'm playing. <laughs> listen, but through submitting to him, you allow Jesus in. And you're not really submitting to him as much as you're submitting to Christ because the husband is the head of the wife and Christ is the head of the husband. Now, here's the thing. This means I know it's, it's a vulnerable situation. It's a vulnerable place to be in. But if he's properly submitting to Christ, then he's going to treat you the way that you need to be treated. Now, I understand. Listen, here's that still wrestling match. But what if he ain't submitting to Christ? Well, the Bible has something to say about that. He said, even if your husband is an unbeliever, he said, you stay in that marriage so that he will see what Christ is supposed to look like through you. Like I said, I married up. Listen, my family is where they are in Christ now because my wife laid the foundation. She came before I did. And I know there was times we, we sat in counseling sessions and she was like, Lord, fix him. <laughs> but the challenge is when you say, Lord, fix him, I put a wall up. Man, fix you. <laughs> Ooh, I brought back a memory. And at the time, we might not say it fixed. I'm just saying. <laughs> but then she started playing Jedi mind tricks on me. She did. We get into a big old argument, and she fixed me food. It was always mashed potatoes, too. And I'm like, I ain't eating no mashed potatoes. <laughs> I probably got some glass cut up in there. <laughs> She's like, no, sweetheart, it's, it's okay, sweetheart, eat. Uh-huh. <laughs> then I start to see, wow, she is really taking this God thing seriously. I'm just being honest. And through her actions, she won me. Then it makes me want to be the man that God has called me to be. Because I ain't going to let her be the woman that God wants her to be by herself. There's a competition in this thing. 
So you submit in your relationships. Men, listen, submit to Christ. I know she's she making you lose your little mind. I know it. We've been through it. Go in there and pray about it. Don't yell at her. Go in there and pray about it. I can't tell you how many times I went in the room. I, I tell you what. Jesus. If you would just change her. She's driving me crazy with these kids. And I just, I just need, I just, and God starts saying stuff to me like, uh, she's not your daughter, she's mine. God trying to tell you something. You just say stuff to me like, what did you do? Uh, everybody get up to make sure you're in your car. What did you do? And before you know it, I kid you not, it's happened. She can tell you. We meet each other at the door. I, I, was, I, I had something to say to you. And she'd be like, well, me first. No, me first. I was wrong. In what I did. I was wrong in what I said. That'd be me. Hold on. I was wrong in the way that I treated you. That is not God honoring. Amen. <laughs> I'm, I'm not easily distracted. I'm sorry, but everybody's just getting up. I'm like, yes, I am. Guess I wasn't talking about nothing. <laughs> and then she would be like, you were, I was going to apologize to you first. Ah, because God told me to. So at the same time, God's working on my heart, he's working on her heart because he's bringing us together and so we can be like Brad and her. <laughs> and so we have to be focused. We have to be ready to submit properly in this relationship. Women, if you're single right now, do not submit to a man who is not submitted to Jesus. I can change it, though. I can pray. Ooh, I lay hands. Okay, you tried. And so Christ submits to God the Father. The God the Father has, in, has given Christ a, a, a purpose and he, uh, we submit to him, and women, you submit to the husband. And listen, when we are in this thing, submitting is not a hard thing. When we get to that place, submitting is not a hard thing. But because of sin, we make it so. We make it so. And so we just need to learn how to communicate. So I'm going to give a couple of little tips real quick, and then we're going to go. A couple of little tips. A couple of little tips. A couple of little tips. Wives in the room. It's not a bad thing. Let your husband feel proud sometimes. I'm serious. He do something like, don't just run in there and just start saying all the reasons it ain't going to work. Drive your husband crazy. You ain't going to get nowhere. You need to learn how to start doing Jedi mind tricks. I'm, I'm serious. It's all about the way you present it. And so learn. Listen, if you have to, take a class on communication. Take a communication class. What we say is only 10% about the words. 90% is about all the other stuff that go along with it. 
that it, look, listen, listen. He, if he's not there yet, and most of us aren't, when you pop your neck, it drives him nuts. I'm serious. Mm, that ain't gonna work. Husbands. Husbands. Defer to your wife sometimes. Bring her alongside in the decision-making process. Hey, babe, um, listen, I was thinking about um, going down here. And don't worry about what her response is going to be. Like, if I say that, she's going to want to go there. You, I know what she's going to want to go, and I don't want to go down there. But learn how to communicate in a way that you bring her alongside. Well, babe, we, we, we can't go that way, but what about that way? Is so important to you. Well, I like this because, is it, you see what's happening? It's called communication. It's called communication. And so listen, this is what we're going to tee up. I told y'all in the new year, we're going to start doing some pop-up groups. Pop-up groups are small groups that last for a little small period of time. And we have one that is coming up right now, not right now, but we're just coming up that focus solely on marriage, and it's five to six weeks long. After the six week, you, listen, I know I got stuff to do. But can you commit five to six weeks to hanging out with other couples and learning more about how you can be a kingdom purpose marriage? Five to six weeks in April. Starts in April. Listen, if you're interested, today in the conference room, Sit and chat with the Noakowskis, because we're gonna, just going to move with, with or without you. But here's the thing. You have to be purposed to live kingdom-minded in order that God might be glorified and that you might be mag- I mean, that God might be glorified and that the world might see him magnified high and lifted up through your marriage. One thing that I heard, and I'm going to close with this. One thing I heard a um, long time ago, I just felt like my wife was not living up to her end of the bargain. She started all this Christian stuff, and then she was just slacking. And I needed, I, I just needed her to just come on, come on, we got stuff to do. And she was just, just contrary, just con- everything I said, contrary, contrary. And I went to one of those, those, those prayer meetings with me and the Lord in my bedroom, and I was letting her have it. And Lord, and then, and then, and Lord, did anybody else talk to Jesus like that? And Lord, and then, and in between him telling me that she wasn't my child, she was his, and he, that I wasn't always right. He made it very apparent. That she was my helpmate. She made it very, he made it very apparent that I can't run off and just leave her. Like, I'm, I'm just spiritual giant. And I'm running off and doing stuff for the Lord. And she's just going to be like this little, what do you call it, baby? Wilton flower? What do you call it? I don't know what you call it. We don't know no more. We old. But that there wasn't going to be this kind of, this, this, this separation in our spiritual walk. Like, I thought I was so spiritual and she was so not spiritual. Y'all tied together. What are you talking about? And your boo-boo stink too. 
You got issues too. You got blind spots too. What's wrong with you? Fix you. Stop worrying about trying to fix her. Do what you're supposed to do and watch me work. And so often in our marriages, we want to fix the other person and then I'm going to do it after they. Listen, I submit after you. And you don't know what? I lead after you. And so who's going who's to be biblical first? And so I stopped. Not all the way. I still try to fix her every once in a while. She needs my help. But I stopped. I said, you know what? God has uniquely created her to be her. So let me stop trying to force what I want for her into her. And I think that's half the battle in most of our marriages. We got this idea. Who who was it last week? Idris Elba? He ain't going to be Idris Elba. Stop thinking like that right now. You got Fred. You got Jimmy. You got Jack. And she's not going to be the other person. Stop trying to make her that way. Her mama was big boned. Now you want a supermodel. It ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. Listen, for the next few moments, I just want us married people in the room and even singles. to focus on ourselves, not even our marriages, not our relationship, just focus on ourselves. What are those broken moments in your life right now? What are those areas in your heart that keeps you from laying hold of God, getting close to God, realizing purpose in God? I want you to lay them before you. And listen, we all have flaws. I want you to call them to the forefront of your mind right now. Maybe not all of them, but one that's really pressing on you right now. And I want you to lay it at God's feet. And I want you to allow him to work and do what only he can do in this moment. And I'll come back and dismiss this in a minute. There's no need to cover what I already say. You've got your reasons, but I hold your peace. You've been on lockdown, and I hold the key. Cause I loved you before, you knew it was love, and I saw. Still I chose the cross And you were the one That I was thinking of When I rose from the grave Now read of the shackles My victory is yours I tore the veil For you to come close There's no reason to stand At a distance anymore You're not far from home
God spoke to our hearts in those times. And that he showed us that despite our shortcomings, despite our brokenness, that from the very beginning, after sin was introduced, Jesus had already chose the cross. He had already chosen the nails. He had already chosen the way to bring you back out of hiding back out of that place of brokenness, back into that place of fellowship and relationship with God. And if you're here today and you need prayer, we would love to pray with you concerning anything. Whatever life, whatever's going on in your life, we want to help you and we want to walk through life with you and we want to pray with you. So if you need prayer, we have prayer over here on the side. If you want to know more about this relationship with Christ that we speak of, this, this stepping out of the hiding place into a place where God creates a wholeness in us. And what does that look like? Um, you can also participate in prayer over there. You can come find me after service. Or if you're just like the introvert that most people uh, around here tend to be sometimes, you can email us at elders at necommunity.church. We would love to have a discussion with you about that. And finally, if you're a married couple and you're saying, you know what, like, we need help. We need help. Uh, we want to meet with you in the conference room today, the Nowakowskis, and talk about uh, the pop-up group that's going to be happening for a season for married couples. Just to walk it out with somebody else. See what the Bible says about where we are, what we need to be doing. Listen. When marriage is clicking on all cylinders, it is a well, it's a fine-tuned machine. It really is. Wives are dynamically created to help husbands achieve what God has for them. Husbands are dynamically equipped to help wives 
achieve what Christ had for them. And so we just need to learn how to communicate and how to walk it out together. And if we put Christ at the center of it, watch out world. Watch out world. Okay, so if you need prayer, prayer is over here. If you're a married couple, they'll be in the conference room. And I'll close this out in prayer. So, Father, I thank you so much for our church. I thank you for the married couples in this space. I thank you for the people who aren't married. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to lead us and guide us and teach us how to walk with you in a way that brings you glory, that elevates our faith, and impacts the world. So, Father, we love you. We call you into this space. We ask you into our hearts to see you in a different light, in a different way, Lord. And give us the courage today to walk in a way that pleases you, oh God. It's in your son, Jesus' name that we pray. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.